Emma Thompson's boobs. No. Not just Emma Thompson's boobs. Emma Thompson's entire body. Hello, you are listening to Grape Culture, the podcast where we talk about wine, pop culture and feminism. I'm Kim. I'm Sam. And we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to Great Culture. We've had a bit of a break, but we are starting season five now. Season five, Kim, can you believe it? I really can't. Like, every time you tell me what season it is, I'm always baffled. But this one in particular, I I can't believe we've been doing it as long as we have. No, nearly five years of us drink. How many bottles of wine do you think? Let's not think about that, actually. Don't, let's, let's not go not. down that road. <laughs> that's, the, that's the wrong question to open with. We don't need that kind of negativity to start the show yeah. again, I think. Also, lols at saying nearly five years of drinking wine as if we haven't been friends for like nearly ten years. I meant nearly five years of drinking wine and recording it. More, <laughs> more than the actual act of drinking. But yeah, wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Good job, us. Well done, us. And we're still here and no one has hospitalised us yet. yet. So we are going to come up with a brand new season for you. And to kick it off, we are talking about Good Luck to You, Leo Grande, which is a film which came out in 2022, wasn't it? it was yes, it, yes, it yeah. did. Yeah, recently been Oscar nommed and all that sort of stuff. Oscar nom nom nommed. That was horrible. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> we're a little bit rusty we've had a few months off yeah just because not off the drinking just off recording yeah just you know winter basically winter in england is shit yeah and we didn't want to also <laughs> sam did a dry january i did which yeah. is very impressive and while i swore never again to do dry january i still think that you deserve applause thanks what else have you been doing besides making up for dry january yeah, I've definitely put in the time over the last couple of months. What have I been doing? Working. I went to Sweden. Sweden and ate moose and got judged there for asking for a bottle of wine rather than a glass when I was on my own. I've just started planting stuff for the allotment again because I'm 809. And that's all the good stuff that's happened this year because it's been a bit shit already. It really about, has. How yeah. about you? Yeah, working. I too have planted things, not in my allotment, in my veg truck and windowsill garden. Nice. Including the crest that I had on my sandwich day because I'm also 809. Oh. And yeah, this yeah, working. I've been playing a lot of Zelda. That's true. That's what I've been doing. Mostly the same and staying indoors and it's miserable outside. And we are still... So Alex will still drop in now and then for the odd episode. But she is also still raising two babies who are now a year old. And are now walking. So she spends her full time running after them. So Uh, she's not with us today, but we reckon she's going to be with us a few times times in the the coming episodes. Current plan is still to release episodes every fortnight. Give or take life events. It's our podcast. We do what we want. It'll be there or it won't. Good luck. (laughs) But we do have one today and we have both watched a film. A film that has received critical acclaim and stars everybody's favourite, Emma Thompson. Before we get into talking about the film, I do have some wine. Mm. So I have the Passione Passamento. Passione. Passione (laughs) Passamento Rosso off of Majestic. Um, It is a Italian red. I have tasting notes and I have the blurb on the back of the bottle. So blurb on the back of the bottle is... 3,000 love messages a day from every corner of the world, any religion, any culture, trapped forever on a single frame. Romeo and Juliet's wall. This unique spot in our city inspired Passion e Sentimento, which is the name of the wine. This elegant and velvety red wine is partially produced with grapes that have been slightly dried before fermentation. Useful. Great. And the tasting notes from Majestic are... This is one of our most popular Italian reds. It's fantastically plush and full of flavour. All thanks to the Appassimento style of winemaking. This means the grapes are picked at the peak of their ripeness and left to dry in special crates until they've lost 30% of their volume. It concentrates all the sugars and flavours of the grapes, making the texture seriously lush and velvety. With this intensity, you won't believe the price. Think stewed plum, blackberry and juicy cherry flavour with notes of violet and heady sweet spice. It's fantastic with meat ragu piled over pasta. So it sounds great. Sounds Italian AF. Yeah. And there's a couple of reasons I chose this. The first is the name, Passion Passion, Sentimento. The idea of passion comes up in this film. 
it seemed like an appropriate wine to choose when we're discussing passion, but also I was particularly interested in the idea of this Mento style of winemaking, which I don't think we've talked about before. No, I don't think we have. Uh, and the idea of picking something when it's ripe and then kind of leaving it for a bit, which also felt appropriate when we're talking about the ageing and sexual maturity in women and like sexual experiences and prime <laughs> that comes with this film. So women are like a fine wine, best when picked when ripe and left to volume in a crate. Yeah. That is how the saying goes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, it's not got a hell of a lot of body, which is not necessarily bad. No, it's got quite a heavy nose though. That's got a heavy nose. It's very juicy. It's very blackberry. I feel it tastes a bit like um like it's been left open for a while. It's giving, it's giving it's church giving. rooms wine. <laughs> it's giving past the communion wafers, I'm feeling naughty. <laughs> I was thinking more like church function. Right, I see. Okay. Um, right, rather than... Yeah, yeah. Maybe it'll grow. It's not It's not bad. It's definitely spicy. So far, it doesn't taste like a wine you would drink with a lover, does it? No. No. It feels a bit like it's going to cause a headache for that. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the mood, but then I had passione sentimento, and now my brain is broken. Sounds about right. We'll see. Sam, would you like to give us a brief or not brief synopsis of the film Good Luck to You, Leo Grand? Yeah, I will do my best. There's a woman called Nancy Stokes who hires a hotel room and hires a male sex worker for the night, for this one-off session, as it's supposed to be, who is the eponymous Leo Grand, to because she is recently widowed she has only ever had sex with one man and it was disappointing to say the least for 31 years she's never had an orgasm but she's basically at the start of the movie is like yeah no i've never had one and i just can't have one it's not something that she's out to try but she does want to try to recapture some of her youth she's i was watching an interview with the writer katie brand she said she's supposed to be in her sort of 60s so post-menopausal yeah is looking to feel young again for a you know as a reductive way of putting it and also to try things that she's never tried so she's never had oral sex she's never given oral sex she's very adamant about no butt stuff which kim appreciates i do i do power to <laughs> yeah. people no butt power stuff. to the no butt stuff people <laughs> power to the emma thompson's or the nancy stokes is 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 and then various other things like sex in positions other than missionary essentially so she hires this escort who's leo he is probably I want to say about 30 years her junior, maybe mm. slightly more. They talk, he's very charming, he's there to kind of... I think at one point she calls him like a like a sex monk or something, like a priest. <laughs> or, basically, he's very very wholesome and supportive. And yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a... Almost like... Ends up being almost like therapy for both of them in, in a kind of weird way. There yeah. are complications. She oversteps some boundaries. There's a, a rift... 20 minutes before the end, as there always is, <laughs> but then all, all as well. And the majority of the film takes place in this one hotel room. She books multiple sessions and it kind of revisits in this one place. It's, the cast is just the two of them and someone who is introduced as a waiter in the last part of the film when they're sitting downstairs in the mm. hotel. But that is it. So yeah. it's just, it's very much just these two people. And it's played, Nancy is played by Emma Thompson, as Kim said, and Leo Grand is played by Daryl McCormack. Yeah. What did, did what did you know of the film before you watched it? So you, this was your suggestion for Poddo. It was my suggestion. I didn't know very much. I knew that it was supposed to be a bit funny and a bit heartwarming. Yeah. I knew obviously that the the premise being an older woman having um, an experience with a younger male sex worker, and I didn't really know very much more than that also i knew that i knew that it was written by katie brand yeah. who i know peripherally from other stuff that i've watched and seen her in and admire like i think i i enjoy her comedy and also i think there's a there's a wit to it that i that i enjoy mm. from her i also emma thompson not just a fabulous actress but also you know particularly outspoken as a feminist and a really interesting and intelligent woman to to watch in interviews she's written screenplays herself and all that sort of stuff so i kind of i trusted her judgment in this it seemed like a really interesting premise 
And what I was expecting was to be a bit sad at Mm. times, but that ultimately it would be uplifting and teaching. I thought that it would, you know, it would teach on both sides of it. And I think that it, it lived up to those expectations. There was a lot more to this film than I really knew. And I didn't know how narrow the scope was. I didn't know how, like, emotional it was going to make me, even though I should have expected it, but I didn't know that anyway. And this was a love story, but it wasn't a love story between two people. It was a love story about falling in love with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, true. And I liked that a lot more. So that's why I chose it. And I think that broadly, not to, you know, spoil the ending, (laughs) but broadly, I think that it really lived up to some some expectations that I had for it in a kind of bittersweet way. Yeah. What about you? What was your, when I told you that we should watch it, what was your expectation? I didn't really know much about it, to be honest. I knew a few bits from sort of clips of interviews with Emma Thompson that I'd seen, but I'd mainly seen those clips because I was searching them out because I wanted to find clips of her as Miss Trunchbull in the recent <laughs> Matilda movie, which she did around, filmed around the same time as doing this, the Matilda, what is the make of the stage show came out end of last year so not that dissimilar to to this film um two very different characters firstly smashed both of them because of course she did because she's, she's Emma fucking thompson. thompson so i didn't really know much about it other than her talking about the kind of the being sick of being sick of her body yeah being sick of the constant negativity that she you know the industry and she put herself under for so many of the the young years and i knew that there would be a lot kind of about that in yeah. it. yeah and then you know the basic plot synopsis but I didn't other than that I didn't really know what to expect and I didn't know it was Katie Brand who had written it who I kind of associate I know she's done a lot more since but I always associate her with a kind of early noughties BBC3 comedy mm-hmm. and this definitely wasn't early noughties BBC3 comedy this no. was mature in a lot of in a lot of meanings but it was very very powerfully observant very sharp very emotional slight moments of judgmentalness at some points which mm-hmm. i think we'll talk about later but yeah I, d- I didn't really know what to expect but i did feel a bit kind of oh, mm. a little bit broken afterwards but in a good way yeah i think that it's a really interesting film but it did leave me feeling a little bit scrubbed emotionally scrubbed yeah absolutely and not in a necessarily in a bad way when i was watching it i really found myself relating to her so strongly Mm. and maybe because of this you know prudity that i maybe have it's not the right word but it's the word that i that's negatively stuck in my brain over all these years or maybe because of a lot i mean there's a lot of other things she gets called cold which i have been called and a few other aspects but i i really felt myself relating to it and i there are other films and other books that I have watched and read recently that touch on similar themes of it's the idea of women just kind of being left behind, left in the dust yeah. a little bit, and that that there's so much in in our lives, and I think particularly in the lives of our parents' generation that they never got to tap into or never gets to be seen and they have all these rich fulfilled dreams it's it's the it's the point at which you realize that your parents are, par- are pe- were people first before they had you that and then they stop being people after they had you <laughs> but i think that like yeah. you you realize this i think for the first time in your teens a lot of the time but that seems to be a story and a narrative that's really finally being well told and this kind of fit into that really well emma thompson's roles are very granted obviously you know period dramas to love actually to nanny Nanny mcphee (laughs) (laughs) but she is primarily a a comedic actress or she plays a character who is in some way overlooked and wronged Mm -hmm. or you know not not the like the passionate fire starter heroine kind of that's not the role she usually plays and it was interesting to see almost like an amalgamation of some of those characters 
in Nancy and yeah. like what they'd be like when they're older. You could kind of there's almost a through line with some of the roles that she'd had before. If they didn't get their stories. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like that's this is the story of someone who didn't get to have their story. Yeah. One of the things that she says a couple of times in this film is her feelings on her children and her son and that he's boring and that I for me I feel like her frustration with that is you have all the chances to not be boring. You get to have a story now and you're wasting it. Yeah. Um and I know that like she's not talking she's not a writer, she's not even an English teacher, she's not talking about stories. But I do think that there is an element of watching other people get to live mm. and you haven't got to and feeling like they're not doing it properly. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was very interesting the I mean I think we'll talk in a bit about the the sort of motherhood angle of the film, but very interesting how she talked about her son because he wasn't his, living his life, quote unquote, enough mm. for her, and her daughter who was living it too much. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really interesting place to put her. And I, I think what they did well, one of the other things they did well in this film is both Leo and Nancy are they're not perfect people. They make mistakes in the film. Sometimes they are a bit unlikable, mm. but for the most part, they feel very real. Yeah, and you do. Even though they have elements that you're like, ah, oh, that's kind of, it's kind of a dick thing that you said that. Yeah. You are like, oh no, but I do want you to do well though. I want yeah. this to be. Yeah. And also, a I understand why you said that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it wasn't even that each of those moments were had to be earth shattering, horrible things that people said. It. it didn't have to be huge things. No. It was there were a lot of little human moments. The one that's sticking in my mind is when Leo Grand, she, she, Nancy is in the bathroom changing. He's waiting for her, and she's obviously nervous, so she's in there for a while. And he's waiting for her, and then he goes to the mini bar and like has a swig of whiskey and eats a Mars bar, which again, hundred <laughs> percent something I would do. But it was just like he's trying to present. He, he has a few moments of like, no, this isn't the right position to wait for her. No, this isn't the right position to wait for her in. That self-consciousness. And then that kind of losing of that self-consciousness and just being, I guess, I mean, I don't know how old he's meant to be, but I got the sense that he was younger than us. And there's that element of being maybe a bit of, a, not kid, but that, that, that whimsy of youth. I say this like I'm 72. But there was just that like that whimsy of being a person where you're like, oh, Mars bar. Like, yeah. And it's the fact like, it's when he like gets it out and he's like, can I have this? And he sort of looks at the door like, is she going to be a while? And then like, yeah. No, yeah, I'm going to have it. Well. And then <laughs> and then he do- he's so in it that he yeah. doesn't realise that she comes out and she's standing there awkwardly in her like sexy a outfit. negligee. <laughs> and he's like, oh shit, oh, you look lovely. And then tries to suddenly be all sexy again. And you're like, ah, you're not as good as this as you think you are. <laughs> also, the whole bit where he's on the bed and he's like, so he's got his shirt undone except for one button. And he's in, you know, the, the tight boxes. With his red socks on. <gasps> yes, the socks! Socks. And bo- socks and boxes socks and, and boxes. one button shirt not wouldn't do it for me. I'd Soxes. be like, lose the socks, yeah. keep the box. But yeah, it's 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 a very nuanced film. There's a lot of really subtle elements. Yes, I think. Sure. I think I think the socks thing was a, f- a choice. It absolutely was. Like the, the clothing was very deliberate. This film is so stark in the in the set, in the costume design, in the cast that it has to be deliberate with every single shot, every single moment has to be meticulous i think and it did someone i was speaking to a friend who'd who's seen it and she was like it's like a play yes it feels like you're that's a exactly play. what it does feel um, exactly like you're watching a play yeah 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 and it's you know almost unity of time and place yes uh, exactly sort of approach but but not quite it's slightly slightly off what was your favorite bit hmm. i was really not expecting that question yeah even though it's literally written down. Yeah. Because I'm me. I liked the dancing. Did you like the dancing? Yeah. Okay. Only because I think that, even though I think that there was an element of it for him that was staged, mm. you know, like he was doing a bit, it felt, I think it's really hard to like do something like that and not like a bit of it. Yeah. And I, it, it felt, it felt kind 
It did feel kind. It felt kind to me. And I think it's one of the things that made me like him a lot. Mm. And like her a lot. Because they both had a moment of... Authenticity. That's exactly it. Like, just being. So, because I think that that's quite a romantic thing. Mm. To dance with or without music. But, like, to dance, you know, in your socks. Or lack of socks. (laughs) In a hotel room. But that this film, one thing this film never does is make you think that they're falling in love. No. it No, it doesn't do The Pretty Woman. It there makes is... you think that they are growing an affection and appreciation for each other. Yes. But it never makes you think they're falling in love. So that didn't feel, it didn't feel, it felt romantic with a capital R to me, but it didn't feel romantic in the sense of they're falling in love. It felt like that blossoming of understanding yeah this is what you need this is what i need you're a person like her seeing him as a person and nothing to be feared and it i just felt it i could see how for a lot of people it would be it would be cringy or whatever but for me i enjoyed that i think that that kind of scene is very very difficult to pull off and i think this film in as much as any film ever pulls off in a spontaneous dance scene, and did it well. My other favourite bit, and this is spoiler alert, the ending, mm. is... Emma Thompson's boobs! No, not just Emma Thompson's <laughs> boobs. Emma Thompson's entire body. Yeah. Standing in a mirror, looking at her entire naked 60-something body, and being like... And she puts her hand on her tummy, and then she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Like, I'm going to like this. And I found that incredibly, incredibly powerful as someone who is, you know, I'm on record as saying I have issues with my body and I've seen that action in myself and in, and in my mother. And, and, and it was just like, it wasn't, I wasn't expecting it. I'm, I never expect full frontal nudity, but I particularly think that it can't go unnoticed and unsaid that, and maybe one day it will go and that's what we all hope for, but that this is a 60-something woman, full frontal nudity, and the point is, you're sexy, you're beautiful, you deserve everything that you got and you're content. Yeah. This isn't got one how to look good naked, just don't ever be naked. No. This is you are a person and it felt it yeah it felt like i felt it yeah especially because the you know throughout all the scenes there's this kind of gradual shedding of clothes every time they meet up she is in slightly less like the first time she has a whole like outfit with a dressing gown and a negligee and then the next scene she's um She's in her pencil skirt, but she's just in her like slip or bra at the top. Mm. And then the next one, she's just in a shirt with her bra and knickers on underneath. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, you're like, bam, titties, vage. So much vage. Which is, <laughs> is the least delicate way I could have put that, but I felt like it was getting too feelingy. Yeah, I agree. I think that was a really powerful moment. What was your favourite bit? There were quite a few, but I think it was really... The, the bit where she pulled out the list so <laughs> she met him for the first time it was all very like she was very awkward she was like you don't have to do this you know I, I, I'm i old you you might not be attracted to me if you need to take anything You like it was yeah. very very self-deprecating and very shoulders around the ears I, yeah and then <laughs> she booked him again and then came in was like right no there's a few things I want to get through in full teacher mode and was like yeah. right I would like to do oral sex on you I would like you to do oral sex on me I would like to do 69 if that's what they call it now <laughs> I would also like to do a doggy style like yeah. just coming in and being like right this is what I want and it was just it was just very I don't know it was, it was very funny it was very funny I agree again it felt like a play because mm-hmm. it felt like the nurse in Romeo and Juliet just yeah. after Tybalt dies or whatever, where you're like, yeah. oh, there's a funny bit. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, feelings. But also, haha, funny. This funny, is the person funny, that funny. she is and it's okay to laugh at this rather than mm-hmm. I'm old and feel lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I think that was done really well. The other bit that I really liked, I really liked her orgasm. Not just because she had one, but because she did it. Yes. And it wasn't a case of, 
I've never had an orgasm, I'm going to hire a sex worker, this man is going to do it for me. It was the fact that over the progression of these five sessions or whatever they had together, four or five, she learned enough about herself and her body to yeah. do that herself. I completely agree. And I was like, fuck yeah. I was so relieved. And, and I think that's the thing is like, I'm happy for her that she got an orgasm. I'm happy <laughs> for the story Yeah, that it wasn't his orgasm yes and that it was about her and then at the end of that she's like and i'm done yeah which is great also i liked the style of orgasm that she had it wasn't a pornog no yeah it was very understated i did have i did have feelings on the orgasms in general which is not something i thought i'd say on this podcast (laughs) which are like so it's very clear from the from the first interaction they have, she's like, I've never had an orgasm. It's just like, don't try and make me have one. I'm just not going to. Yeah. And then for it to end with her having one, I was like, okay, that's great. But I also think it might have been... I don't know. I don't know if it would have been more satisfying uh, for her not to have had one because I feel like there's so much pressure put on orgasm as a, as a marker of sexual enjoyment when there's so much else. I can... Yeah. That... I was kind of enjoying the like, you know, like when he went down on her, she's like, oh, it's like bathing in a warm sea. Yeah. Um, you can enjoy pleasure the Pleasure for pleasure's sake rather yeah. than having an end goal was what I was really liking. And then that happened. I was like, I'm pleased for you. But also I feel like this would have been an interesting chance yeah. to explore a different kind of sexuality. Well, not sexuality, but a different you know, facet too. Different facet to female sexuality. Yeah. yeah. Or people with a clitoris. And I f- think that that's i think that's a really good point and i i kind of flip-flopped between how i felt about it because i completely agree that for a lot of you know for for most people Mm. the act is as pleasurable as the end and there is a lot of pressure on women to fake it that's the only way that you can prove it and it is a little bit like prove it and and i think that you know that is a message that is given to, in in the case of a, a gender binary, both both sides of this. But I think that it is given to people that orgasm is a thing, and it goes back again to that kind of porno thing where it's like that's that's the money shot. Whereas the appreciation for intimacy and pleasure. Or not intimacy and pleasure, mm-hmm. like is underrated. I think, and I think if the f- if it had been that she had had an orgasm from him, from a toy, from her with a toy without him, mm-hmm. from her fantasizing about him mm-hmm. when he wasn't there, I think all of that would have been really reductive. And I think that this treaded the line of it was the last thing. And the last time and then she was done. But it didn't, the film didn't end with, and now I'm a better person because of that. No. It was her appreciation for herself in that scene with the mirror and everything and her appreciation for the experiences of others in the scene with the waitress was was not just around that orgasm. The orgasm wasn't the thing that changed her life. It was just the closing of this chapter. So something that I really appreciated when we are talking about female sexuality and orgasms and pleasure for pleasure's sake is that the pleasure that was being given and shown and explained and understood was that it's not just about physical pleasure, although that is part of it, but it is also about what our person needs for connection. And he talks about this. He talks about his clients and the the things that some of them need and the things that some of them don't. And I thought that that was really important and useful. I personally really enjoyed the guy who wanted him to just come in, dress up as a cat, ignore him for an hour and then leave. I was like, yeah, sounds like a great way to make money. If you want me to ignore you for an hour... I mean, I think that might be my dream job. (laughs) Forget, like, financial domination. Forget any other domination. Attention. Attention domination. Control. That, yeah. yeah, That would be... I I want you to pay me to come into a room and ignore you. (laughs) That would be so good. 
So, not that we want to stop your pleasure in the middle. I'm so sorry. But we are going to have a short break in a moment in the typical grape culture fashion. But before we do that, we're just going to rate the wine because we guzzled it and there's not much left and there might not be any for the second half. So, Kim, how are you finding the Passione Sentimento? It's definitely settled since the first sips. Yeah. It's not quite as musty smelling. It's not quite as... It's also not quite as juicy. It's a little bit more robust now. Mm. It's kind of like all the flavours have settled into each other. Would you call it a grower, not a shower? I would would call it a grower, not a shower. However, I've got some serious teeth fuzz going on. Tongue fuzz, Mm -hmm. my side, yeah. I am looking forward to brushing my teeth. (laughs) Yeah. But it is... is Definitely, definitely a grower. I, I I like it a lot more. It's appropriate for winter. I still don't necessarily feel like it's a share with your lover before a sexy time, no. but it might be like a post-coital wine by a fire. The cigarette of the wine world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. What I about can you? See that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's quite like I I am quite enjoying it, especially for a red. I do feel to borrow a quote from you headache adjacent mm-hmm. i think this is not going to be a pleasant morning tomorrow which is possibly just because it's a red and we're drinking it quickly but it is a lot more flavorful it's yeah it takes a little while to get going mm. needs to breathe needs to breathe needs, needs some foreplay well you've paired this perfectly to the, <laughs> to the topic then but we will let it breathe some more we will you know continue to tease the wine while we have our break but we'll be back after a break and we need to talk some more about good luck to you leo grant So we're back from the break to talk some more about Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. So before the break, we mentioned the the concept of motherhood that comes up in this film. So mm-hmm. Emma Thompson's character, Nancy, is mother of two... Well, she mentions two children. We assume that's the two she has. She has an older daughter and a younger son. And she's very vocal about how boring she thinks her son is and how over the top, I think, is the way... Is something yeah, like I would have gone her, with dramatic. Dramatic her daughter is, who lives in... An artistic commune in Spain? Yeah, an artist artist colony in Barcelona, I think, was the description. Yeah. But there's also, there's a storyline, well, not kind of a a storyline so much, just a backstory. A backstory with Leo and his mother, which is revealed at the end of the film. Um, And kind of reflects some of the things that they're talking about. How... Do you feel that was handled? Because there were some interesting dichotomies around motherhood that I think this film brought up. Yeah. The thing around motherhood was probably the only thing in this film that I felt really, like, dropped the ball a little bit. Because... While I think that, so Leo's story with his mother and his consciousness that his mother like wouldn't accept the life that he lives was not cool with his sexy time as a teenager, but generally seemed to not understand him before then as well. And that obviously is is very difficult for him and... I don't, you know, I don't want to diminish his his feelings in that regard. But he projects that, I think, on Emma Thompson's character. Mm. And I think that the film lets down mothers as people mm-hmm. in that in in this story because what ends up happening is that Emma Thompson reveals to to Leo, Nancy reveals to Leo early on that she has these two children, that she felt a bit let down by her son because he's super boring and it's and that he's perfectly lovely, but that he's quite boring. And he kind of challenges it's one of the few things that he really does challenge in a way that isn't sympathetic to her. Um a lot of the stuff that he challenges around her perception of her body or her boringness or anything like that, you know, her her inexperience or unattractiveness is to her benefit. And that's one of the few things that he really seems to challenge her on because he disagrees with her. And I think that comes from his, his story. 
that that oh don't say you know like, don't say that about your son do you not think that your son could feel your disappointment in him or your daughter could feel her and you've got one child who's too boring and one child that's too much like would you have been happy with with either of them and i think all of that is the most reductive that this film gets and gets and is unfair to something that i think that is very difficult for for a parent to express especially mm. a parent of this generation which is that she is trying to acknowledge that she has an identity outside of her children and that while she loves her children unconditionally that she maybe didn't want to have children in the first place and that she could have you know she says oh i could have done other things and the the end of the film the last meeting that they have in the cafe before before they go upstairs and have all sorts of lovely sex and everything's great one of the things that she she references her her boring son again because he's telling leo is telling the story of the last time he saw his mother she ignored him on the street and he says can you imagine doing that to your child and the obvious answer in her mind is no but she makes a joke out of it she's like only because he's so terribly boring that i that i might not even notice him and then she goes, I really must stay, stop saying things like that about my son. And he goes, yes, you should. And I I just, that was the the whole aspect of this motherhood thing bothered me a lot because it reduced the idea that parents can be parents of children that, that, that those identities are separate, that you can be a person and a parent and that you can not like them and yes her son is boring and that's not a crime and his her daughter is overdramatic and that's not a crime but it bothered me because you don't have to have a child that is a serial killer or a child that is a criminal (laughs) in order to not like your child or even not be on your child's side but it seems like the only permission that mothers get for not liking their children is if they are serial killers or whatever. And even then, they yeah. get blamed for a lot of things. And it just kind of felt like he was taking her oppression, her lack of fulfilment and her dissatisfaction and saying, you're the reason that your children are fucked up. And you're not allowed yeah. to dislike the people that your children are. Or not even dis- She's not. She doesn't dislike them. She's just frustrated with them and it was like it's all about you until you start shit talking your children and i just thought that that was really unfair yeah i garbled that entirely i apologize not at all i see what you're like i completely get what you're saying and you mentioned earlier you know how it's this thing of when you get to a certain age and you see your parents as people not just parents it's the same well i do i have no children but i imagine it's the same thing where you you have to consider that your children are people and not just your children. Mm -hmm. And it's fine if you don't like those Mm -hmm. people because they're still people. They are an entirely separate entity. They are not... Yes, you can influence them. Yes, you can do whatever. But they are not within your control Mm -hmm. for their entire lives. There are things you can't control. And it's okay not to like them. Mm -hmm. But still love them Mm -hmm. because you are their parent in the same way that you still love your parents lots of people do not everybody does granted mm-hmm. because you can still be like oh my god you're a fucking pain in the ass but you're my mum or whatever yeah. it is and it was it did feel like a bit of a double standard of like yeah i like this you're someone beyond a mother you mm. should explore this lifestyle but also don't shit talk your kids yeah and also that he's sort of shit talking his mum yeah she couldn't understand me. She's she's an awful woman. I just found I found that for all that this film talks about and shows us a lot about identity and safety and understanding and and being a person and everything. I f- I felt like there was some baggage there around mothers. Mothers have the right to be mothers. Mothers also have the right to be the people that they were before they were mothers. Because they are people in their own goddamn right. And you have the right to say, 
My son is boring. Some people yeah. are just boring. There's nothing wrong with being boring. There's nothing wrong with being dull. Mm. Apart from, you know, it's just not very exciting, which is the whole definition of dull. I wonder, I do wonder if it was a, a kind of... I wonder if it was a way of addressing... Or trying to address generational trauma in a way, because there is sometimes... Like, it's something that's a lot more... You know, people speak about it a lot more now of, like, how the impact parents have on them and things like that and it's a big thing for a lot of people who are in therapy and a lot more people are in therapy now than they were with our parents generation so it's i wonder if it was a kind of backhanded way of being like you can complain about your kids being fucked up but also you might have fucked them up but it wasn't handled well i wonder if it was a part of that that just didn't develop properly because you can respect that i think that there are a lot of parents out there who won't necessarily take responsibility for certain things. But I don't think this was an instance where that was done well or, in fact, necessary for the story. So the writer Casey Brown, she was interviewed on the red carpet when this was premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. And she said that Leo and Nancy create an environment where they can be safe together. Do you think that's what this environment was do you think it was a safe space that they created together do you think it was something else i think that that was the intent of leo he creates a space where she is safe that's his that's his job in many ways yeah i think that she like many women was trying to be unthreatening trying to be accommodating i think that that's what they that she wanted yeah to make for him both in her awkward beginning accommodation way and in her crossing easing into it way yeah and then i I think in her redemption that's what she wants she wants to she wants to make peace Mm. so in a sense yes but i think i think that that is a simple way of putting it but i also think that from leo's perspective of making nancy safe is one of like sexiest parts of it to be honest and and one of the the most important parts of it for the most part of the film it creates a dialogue of consent that does create a safe environment for them and i think that that was true and displayed and accurate i don't think that it's completely as flat as that quote makes it sound if that's the i can't think of the word the better way to say yeah that. yeah it's, it's a good point but i also think that i don't think she necessarily tries to make it so much a safe space for him as a comfortable place because she's when i think of safe space i think of i think you know therapy or counseling or some sort of situation like that but obviously with the sex worker connotation there's a, there's a whole different angle with that with this film so for me i think the idea of them creating a safe space space with each other. He is not comfortable at many points when she keeps asking him personal questions. Mm-hmm. And I think her intention is not in that instance to make him feel safe, but to make herself herself feel reassured about the situation that they're mm-hmm. in. So I don't think, certainly to start with in the first couple of interactions, maybe three, maybe not until the end, I don't think it is a safe space for Leo emotionally. Mm-hmm. I think he does a lot to put her at ease. Mm-hmm. I think it's much safer for her because of his action than it is for him. There's also an intrinsic power, power dynamic. dynamic. Yeah. She's the one paying. So it's I think that it's an interesting quote and I think that it's an interesting intent for the way that it's framed and I think that it does come through in the way that it's framed. Like this is a this film is a safe space to explore a lot of these questions around yeah. sex workers, aging, feminine sexuality, all yeah. that sort of stuff. I don't necessarily think that they create it for each other, but I think that they find it. Do you think they help each other at moments? I do. Yeah, I do, and I think that's one of the really important parts of this film is that it leaves hopeful without materially strongly changing anyone's core beliefs. Like, she doesn't fucking 
save him from sex work and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he doesn't make her a you know sex goddess they are the same people with a little bit more openness and connection do you think with all of this in mind with all the talk of motherhood with what we said about you know the the full frontal nudity at the age of 50 to 60 for a woman which is never shown with the exploration of pleasure would you categorize this as an empowering film i think i would mm-hmm. i think motherhood asterisks <laughs> but I think motherhood comes with a bunch of asterisks oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so i'm told but yes the way that i described this film when i was asked about it today i saw i compared it to empire of light mm-hmm. with olivia Coleman and kind of and i i said as much like it was it was a little bit happier a little bit more positive a little bit more like hopeful was the word that i used hopeful yeah. and the hopeful is the word that i keep coming out of and i think that nothing's nothing's ever perfect let's let's be real here I think that both characters in this film come away with a sense of their own confidence, ability, power and and significance. Yeah. In their lives without again without materially having to change their core beliefs. You know, the exception being that she no longer wants to call teenage girls sluts, which is good. Good. good It's a good thing. You know, like, at the end of this, Leo Grand, Leo Grand is still a sex worker and is perfectly happy with that situation. And Nancy Stokes is still a retired teacher and single and perfectly happy with that. And I think that is an underrated kind of empowerment to be yourself but happy with it and i not just because it's emma thompson's naked body but that scene in which she stands in front of the mirror and looks at her body will stay with me i think it really got to me and i do think that that is an empowering story seen an empowering story and an empowering message what about you i don't know how much more eloquently i can put it than you just did because i think that was really nice (laughs) but yeah i agree i think empowerment is not just god damn aren't we perfect the way we are it is we're we are imperfect the way we are but we accept ourselves and we go through life the best we can knowing that and i think this did a really good job of that but like you say, for both of them, it's not just about female empowerment. Mm. About yeah, Leo. I think there was a bit of healing there. It was a thinker. It left you kind of being like, God damn, this is why I said I wouldn't be as eloquent. <laughs> but no, I, I do think it was an empowering film, and I think I would recommend it to anybody who has ever struggled with any feelings of worth, because mm. it does talk. It it deals with shame. It deals with body image. It deals with expectation pressure and all how all of those things can negatively affect us Mm. and it does it in a way that is not trite is not just a hashtag you go girl Mm. it's it's real so that brings us to the end of the episode this week but before we go we have a film and a wine to rate in our typical grape culture fashion out of five grapes let's start with the wine which was the passione sentimento i keep only seeing the mento part yeah Passimento. Yeah, Kim, would you like to go first? Yeah, sure. I think that this wine, bro, not a show. I'm going to give it a three point five. Yeah, fair. I think that it needs to breathe. It probably could serve with being decanted or something if we were posh like that, which we're not anymore. Mm-hmm. We tried it like the first season and then we <laughs> gave up. But I do think that it's a good wine. It's a tasty wine. It served a nice. It's it's been quite nice for a conversation between yeah. two people like i actually think it works really well as a wine, wine to share between two people which is nice because it's you know it's supposed to be romeo and juliet wine and all this sort of stuff i don't know whether that makes you romeo or juliet but 
I'll be Romeo. Cool. All right. I'll be Juliet. Dramatic mm-hmm. and I die first. That seems about right. Fair. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it was a really good sharing wine. I think that it, and I think that it surprisingly matched the film better than I thought that it maybe would. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend trying it. What about you? Yeah, it was, if you like a sharp blackberry red, this is definitely a good choice. A bit on the mouth coaty side. Yeah. Yeah, which is surprising because I usually associate that with something that has a fuller body, but thinner and still furry. <laughs> Much like yeah. a fuzzy worm. Yeah, it's like <laughs> fuzzy worm wine. I, I, I liked it more than I thought I would after the first like three sips. So I'm going to give it a three. Cool. Bordering, bordering a 3.5, but yeah. it's somewhere between the two. So it's 11 99 per bottle or 8 99 on the mix six, which is what I got it for. Okay. I think 12 might be a bit high mm. for an individual bottle. So I'm going to stick with my three grade yeah. rating. I think that if I'm buying it at a mix six, it's about right. I think yeah. that maybe like, this feels like a £10 wine to me. And what about the film? How did you Ooh, rate the film? Good luck to you, Leo Grand. I... I really liked it. I thought it was possibly one of the best films I've seen in a very long time. But yeah, I am really tempted to give it a five. Mm. And I think I might because Mm. I enjoyed it that much. Five grapes. Well, I mean, obviously. See, now (laughs) I want to give it a five because you gave it a five. Because I was on the the 4.5e element because of really just my own feelings yeah i was so surprised early on watching this how much i connected with this character Mm. and then i was like well of course because i am just an old woman in my (laughs) heart i think that this film was really relatable in a way that i found unexpected and i can only imagine how much more it resonates with women who are older than than we are or from different backgrounds than we are fuck it i'm also gonna give it a five nice it was uplifting without being trite it was reassuring without being cloying it was honest without being bleak it was (gasps) honest without being bleak yeah that's exactly why i like it so much yes five grapes Five grapes. The f- I think this is the first unanimous five grape. Good job to you, yeah. Emma Thompson. Good job to you, Emma. Great job to and you, And Katie Darryl. Brand. If you have watched it and would like to share your opinion with us, don't forget there are various places that you can do that. We have a website, which is grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. We also are on social media because, of course, we are mainly Instagram, which is at grapeculturepodcast, and we are on Twitter at grapeculturepod as well. In the meantime, come back in two weeks. We're going to be talking about Daisy Jones and the Six, which is both a series and a book and the comparisons between the two. But thanks for listening, and we will see you next time. Bye! Bye.